Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to Treating the Yo-Yo Dieter, five tips to help weight loss clients stabilize their slimness. Now, this is a quote from Samuel Johnson, and he said, Too much vigor in the beginning of an undertaking often intercepts and prevents the steadiness and perseverance always necessary in the conduct of a complicated scheme. Okay, so we'll look at what that means. Now, I want to talk about Susie, who was a weight loss client of mine, and she'd been up and down over 25 years. She was a classic yo-yo dieter, and she said, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm so passionate about being healthy. I lose weight for a while. People say I look great, and it's all new and exciting in the beginning. But after a few months, I start going up again, and sometimes I'm even heavier than I was when I started the damn diet. Okay, so in a few short sentences, Susie had described her problem perfectly, and I knew I could help her at that point as well. I even had difficulty, she said, getting passport control to believe it was really me in a recent passport picture. I put on that much weight. So up and down all the time. And I think the thing is, people lose weight initially, then end up eating more than they had before they even started dieting in the first place, and even return to their pre-diet weight. So it's a common pattern. But there may be major consequences to yo-yo dieting. And if we look at the um, heart of the matter, so to speak, one study worryingly entitled Yo-Yo Dieting, Dangerous Even If You're Not Overweight, investigated the weight and dietary history of 158,000 postmenopausal women. And the research found that those who reported large and frequent weight fluctuation due to yo-yo dieting were three and a half times more likely to die of sudden heart attack than women of more stable weight over time. So the researchers also found that women whose weight was within the normal healthy range who started yo-yo dieting increased their risk of dying of a heart attack as well by 66%. So there was no correlation between the risk of dying of a heart attack and weight gain in itself, nor weight loss, but the yo-yo dieting was the, the threat. It's the oscillation of weight that seems to do the damage. Another study, written up in the International Journal of Exercise Science, showed that yo-yo dieting increases bodily inflammation, which has been linked to all kinds of diseases from cancer to diabetes and allergies to Alzheimer's. So clearly yo-yo dieting is not a healthy pattern. Susie's weight had fluctuated massively over the past quarter century. Was it a coincidence that she'd suffered from a whole host of health issues, including mood swings? So I suggested that some things in life, like a sea crossing, a plane flight, or interior decoration, were best served by steadiness and balance. I wanted to see the pattern. You know, why had Susie gone up and down so much? And more importantly, how could we stabilize her at a healthy, sustainable weight? So here are a few ideas if you're faced with constantly shape-shifting clients. So tip one, it's not all about the passion. So right off the bat, Susie had said, I don't understand it. I'm so passionate about being healthy. And it struck me as strange, but also very telling. Passion has become a buzzword favoured in CVs all around the world. In order to demonstrate you're a committed person, you write in your CV, you know, state publicly on reality TV and proclaim proudly in presentations that I'm really passionate about whatever it is. And that's fine, but it's not all you've got. You can be as passionate as you like about brain surgery, 
but if the drill sends shivers down your spine, you won't get far. And if you know nothing about brain surgery. And you can be as passionate as you like about winning, but if you don't take time to build your skills, you'll still end up losing. And to use a bit more of a dramatic example, the world would have been far better off without the vitriolic passion of the Nazi Youth League, who were incredibly passionate. So like any form of fuel, passion is great in short bursts, but not so much for long-term sustainability. To overemphasize passion can be a mistake, because some people end up believing it's all they need, and feel disappointed when they don't get sustainable results. I suggested to Susie that the brightest flame may not burn the longest, and she'd never really thought about this. Reaching and maintaining a good weight needs to be just a thing you do, I suggested, not something you have to be constantly passionate about. Do you have to be passionate about cleaning your teeth or washing your clothes, saying please and thank you, or are these just things that you do without really thinking about it? If we could only do these things while we're excited about them, we wouldn't do them for long. So ascertain how your client feels each time they adopt a new diet. If they're full of passion, that actually might sound warning bells. So I had Susie envisage, while in a deeply relaxed state, doing things to maintain a balanced weight without having to think about it too much. For weeks, then months, then years. Because it's just what you do. You don't have to fuel yourself with passion. Related to the passion trap is panacea thinking. So tip two, the answer to everything. She said, you know, I've tried them all, vegan diets, the Atkins diet, three-day fasts, the Mediterranean diet, the zone diet, and she'd really tried everything. Susie described how she always felt each new diet was going to be the one, how she would get excited and love the newness of the diet. And she said, it's like this diet will fix everything in my life. And that's how it always feels. Now, addiction to novelty, like passion, isn't sustainable. As soon as the diet gets old, it gets unappealing. And so it was for Susie. Once the excitement of its newness wears off, I revert back to my old eating habits, she said. No diet is a panacea. The body is complex and also adjusts. I suggested to Susie, we all need excitement and novelty, but changing our eating pattern isn't necessarily the best way to meet that need. And Susie told me she wanted to try new activities and meet new people. We explored this and together devised steps to help Susie start to do just that. Susie needed to keep her need for excitement and novelty away from her eating. Finally, Susie said, eating can just be eating, can't it? And I was pleased to hear that. But then she said something else. She said, mind you, I do like the compliments when I slim down again. And the trouble is, after a time, people get used to me being slimmer again and stop talking about it. They stop giving me compliments. And that's often a trigger for me to think, oh, well, I might as well eat what I like again. You know, cakes, bread, sweets, and so on. And this took us down another line of focus. Who exactly is this for? I asked her. So tip number three, reward needs to be intrinsic. I talked to Susie about research that showed how for children too much praise for an activity they'd been enjoying for its own sake, such as drawing, can make them lose interest in it. Their focus changes from intrinsic satisfaction, the love of doing it for its own sake, to extrinsic reward, 
this is only worth doing if I'm praised for it. It's too fragile, I suggested. If, if we just wait for others to praise us, you know, yes, praise is great, but people are so used to you going up and down in weight anyway. If you depend on praise to maintain your motivation, then you're handing over the reins of power to other people. You know, this is your life, Susie, I said. And Susie was now pensive. Yes, I'm doing this for me, aren't I, she said. Yes, you are. You know, do you stop cleaning your teeth when people stop praising you for doing it? I asked her. And she laughed at that and she said, you know, nobody praises me for cleaning my teeth. And exactly, I said, but you still do it because it's the right thing to do and it's a healthy thing to do. I then asked her to tell me about what she called her relapses, her crashes out of healthy eating patterns. And she said something that I'd heard many times before. And I'm sure you've heard this as well. So tip four, avoid the rubber band effect. And she said, it's like the pressure builds. You know, I've been good for so long and then wham, the diet is now no longer new and exciting and people have stopped noticing and complimenting me and it's all become boring again. And I've had a bad day in the office and I think to hell with it. Why deny myself? Okay, I need to reward myself. I'm going to have a treat and hey presto, I'm right back where I started or worse, fatter than when I started. Pressure builds, but why does it build? Why does there have to be pressure? This is what I call the rubber band effect. So what am I talking about? It's a good question. We exert effort by pulling in the opposite direction of whatever it is that we don't want to do. We desperately determine that we're not going to text our ex or drink wine or eat cake. We forbid ourselves. We deny ourselves. And when we do that, focus builds and so can desire. We're pulling so far this way that the energy wants to go back that way. I suggested Susie could become less of an extremist, less all or nothing, that she could start to sustain her healthy weight to eat properly 85% of the time. She could give herself a few pounds leeway and need not be too tight in her insistence on sticking to a specified weight. I also said something else. I said that, you know, Susie, if you climbed 100 steps but then paused, maybe got distracted, maybe got a bit tired and stumbled, perhaps step back down a step or two, would that mean that you hadn't climbed the other 98 steps? Would you have to go all the way back to the bottom again? And she laughed and she said, I see what you mean. Months later, she told me that this had stuck in her mind, as analogies often do. And what's this treat business, I asked her. So tip number five, reframe a treat. Susie had spoken about having treats, you know, the idea of sugar-laden, quick energy, empty calories, uh, inflammation-inducing mock foods as treats is often conditioned into as, as young children. If you're good, you can have some insulin-stimulating, teeth-rotting, subcutaneous fat-storing goodies, said no parent ever. During hypnosis, I talked about not denying her bones, her heart, and her general health, the treat of being healthy and staying in the world for as long as they were supposed to. I suggested her heart could speak to her about what it, it wants, and so too could every cell of her body, that she could work with her body and enjoy that for its own sake, without ever having to get excited about or complimented for filling herself with top quality fuel. So we reframe the idea of a treat Susie emailed me a few months later saying her weight had stabilised at a healthy level. After 25 years, she finally felt different and natural. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Terrell of Uncommon Knowledge, 
And if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. 